All right, well, good evening. Good to see everyone out this evening. Thank you for being here in the house of the Lord. Let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you for this day. Thank you for this opportunity to come in your house to worship and to praise you. Lord, we ask for your, uh, Lord, for your blessings upon this service. Lord, pray that you would speak to our hearts as only you can. Lord, we ask that if, uh, Lord, if we're not right with you, Lord, I pray that our hearts will be in tune and get right with you tonight. Lord, I pray that you would just have your perfect will and way done in our service tonight. Thank you again for all that you're going to do. We give you the praise, the glory, and the honor that comes from it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, good evening. Uh, okay, let's all get a hymnal. Uh, turn to page uh, 459. Page 459. This is a good old song of the church. I think it's even a little bit older than I am, which is remarkable. <laughs> okay, leaning on the everlasting arms.
Okay. Before uh, Brother Rick uh, brings a message, let's turn to uh, 333. Page Lord. Well, I was uh, talking to Miss Melinda a few minutes ago and told her that we were running late today. And the reason we were running late this evening was because some little angels down the street were being such a blessing. They, uh, as my wife drove by, she came by and her, uh, from coming home from work, she came by and these little angels decided to throw a rock at her car. And uh, she just drove on. She told him, quit throwing rocks, and she drove on. Well, when I drove by in my truck, they uh, were acting like they were laying down there like asleep. And, and uh, Christy says, watch those kids. And right, whenever, uh, uh, right when she said that, I saw one of them throw a rock and hit my truck. Well, it was okay that they hit her SUV, but they hit my truck. And uh, so... Uh, so I, I, I got to thinking about it, and I thought, and I stopped the, uh, down the road a little bit, and I turned around, and I went to the house I thought they uh, lived at, and I went up, knocked on the door, no one home. So I thought, well, I'm going to ask those kids where they live. I asked the, the kids where they live, and they, the little boy, he's probably 10 years old maybe, and he says, I don't have to tell you. I said, oh, yes, you do, and you will. And I said, I'll knock on every door in this place if, if I have to, and I'll find out. And I said, it's only going to get worse as you lie. And the little girl, she's got her eyes. I mean, she's probably about seven. 
she had her eyes this big around. I mean, they were huge. And uh, so I, I, I said, where do you live? And she goes, down there. I said, which one? She said, and she told me which one. So I went down there. And uh, their teenage sister was sitting on the porch. says, your mom and dad home? And she said, uh, well, mom is. And I said, well, can I speak with her? And so she went inside and she came back out. And she said, mom said that she's busy right now. Um, I said, well, I'll be back by later on this evening. I said, uh, your brother and sister were down the street throwing rocks. And it hit my wife's car and then hit my car. And I said, I will return. Just let your mom know. She said, okay. And mom comes running out there. And uh, I said, well, I said, I wasn't going to stop because I'm in a hurry. I said, I pastor a church. And I said, well, we're, we're, uh, I, I got to be at church. And I said, but I just wanted to stop your kids from hurting anybody's vehicles. And so I told her what happened. She goes, sir, I'm so sorry. She said, we're Christians too. Well, most of us in the house are. And, uh, and uh, she said, I will put a stop to it. And so we were running a little bit late because of little angels being angels. And I got to tell my wife, I said, you know, I said, I wasn't really hard on them because when I was that age, I'd done the same thing. <laughs> I remember I was telling them, I said, uh, I had a, had a um, tennis racket. And I would take a rock, and I'd hit the rock, and I was trying to hit the cars as they passed by. And if I hit them, that, man, that, that was awesome, you know, And uh, until one car stopped. And so I decided when that car stopped, I heard the, the brakes squeal, and, you know, and I was like, oh, no. So I went running inside and get, jumped in the shower real quick. That was the wrong thing to do because when Dad answered the door, he knew exactly who did it. And he came in there, and uh, the belt don't feel too, uh, too nice when you're wet. I should have just stayed out of the shower and took the whooping. But uh, uh, so I got to thinking about that. That brought back some memories, not too fond memories, but just kids being kids. And, uh, you know, they know better. But uh, we all have moments in, that li in our lives when we know what we should be doing and what we shouldn't be doing. And we, we're sinners. And so that just brought me to that realization tonight. do appreciate you being here, and I hope and pray that you've had a good week. Uh, just to let you know, I don't think it did any damage to my truck. It was just, the, I just didn't want them to hurt any, anything, anybody else's vehicles or anything like that. But anyways, uh, we're going to continue our study, character study on David. And I, I tell you, I love the character David, the person David. Um, uh, it just, he had some... Wonderful, wonderful things that were said about him. I mean, the Bible says that God said that he was a man after his own heart. What a great compliment to be said about you. But he also had some glaring weaknesses. He had some. He had many times he he sinned, and um, we saw in just in this study in First Samuel 16, we saw that God always has a man for His plan. Speaking of David and how he was. To deliver the, the children and to be the king. And, but God also has, uh, has a plan for his man. Each one of us has, God has a plan ordained uh, for each one of us. He wants us to be uh, living for him. And then in chapter 17, we've seen that there's a cause to stand up and fight for. There's, uh, there's some things that uh, we as Christians need to stand up and, and, and fight for. And then in chapter 17, we looked at the latter half of that and seen that David lived a life of faith and not by sight. When he was facing Goliath, 
All the other uh, men, they, they cowered down and because they were living by sight. They saw how big the giant was and they were scared of him. But David was living by faith, knowing that God could deliver him. And uh, we're, that challenges us to live by faith and not by sight. And then in chapter 18, we, look at the, we saw the example of true friendship between Jonathan and David. Then later in the middle of chapter 18, we saw that David behaved himself more wisely than even the king. And uh, he behaved himself as a Christian. And we saw that how uh, we ought to live with integrity and character. And then we finished up chapter 18 with the thought, whose hand is on our, on our lives? Uh, we want God's hand to be upon our life. Last week, we found ourselves in chapter 19 of 1 Samuel. And David... Uh, found himself, he, was, he, was, he needed some counsel, he needed some help, so he went running to the man of God and sought counsel from him. And we saw uh, as they uh, went off, uh, they, they went and pray, started praising the Lord. Instead of talking about their problems, they, they just started praising God, and people were getting blessed because of uh, that. When we start focusing on our problems, you know what? Then God's not being blessed during that. You know, our testimony not, is not showing the, uh, what it should. And uh, that's just kind of a, a challenge for us to uh, not to look at all the situations going around us, but to look at the Savior. And, and uh, this week we're going to see some things that God has revealed to me, and I hope it will be a, a help to you. Uh, I titled the message, Life is a Vapor. Life is a Vapor. There are so many things about the life of David that God uses to speak to each of us. And our eyes are now moved from David to David's God. And um, David had become a very discouraged man. In this chapter, you'll find out that David was very discouraged uh, in his life. He, <clears throat> he came to one of those moments that some of us, we've probably all have been through in our lives. And he felt that the wicked seemed to have the upper hand. I mean, if we look at what's going on in, in our world today, it seems like the wicked has the upper hand. But can I tell you, God's still on the throne. God's still in control. <clears throat> Perhaps you've had these moments in your life as well. And David needed to remember the fact that his hand or his life was truly in the hands of God. And that's what we're going to look at today. In 1 Samuel chapter number 20, verse 1, the Bible says, And David fled from Naoth to Ramah. And came and said, uh, said before Jonathan, What have I done? What is mine iniquity? And what is my sin before thy father, that he seeketh my life? And he said unto him, God forbid thou shalt not die. Behold, my father will do nothing, either great or small, but that he will show it me. Uh, and why should my father hide this thing from me? It is not so. And David swore moreover and said, Thy father certainly knoweth that I have found grace in thine eyes. And he saith, Let not Jonathan know this, lest he be grieved. But truly, as the Lord liveth, and as my soul liveth, there is but a step between me and death. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, once again, thank you for this opportunity. Lord, I pray that we would take this simple message tonight and apply it to our hearts and our lives, that we would draw nigh to you. Lord, if we draw nigh to you, you have promised to draw nigh to us. And Lord, as we look in reality, we're all just a step away. We're all just a breath away from eternity. And Lord, as we examine our hearts and our lives tonight, Lord, bring that to our, our remembrance. Lord, we do thank you for all that you do. We thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. 
David felt that his life was in such jeopardy that even maybe his next breath, his life could be taken. He was that scared of Saul, what was going on in his life. There, he said, there is, there is but a step between me and death. And James chapter 4, verse 14 says this, Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanish the way. Uh, we have some in here that are in their 80s, uh, not pointing any fingers, Brother Ed, but there's some in their 80s in here. And, uh, um, but, you know, if you'd ask him, he would say, I can remember when I was just a little boy. Life has just flown by. Life is just a vapor, just here for just, and before you know it, you know, you're 80 years old. Life just seems to fly by. It's just here for just a short time. And in this conversation David is having with Jonathan here, he's, he's talking to him. And, and David said, I, I want to know what I've done to deserve what I'm going through. I mean, I want to know, Jonathan, what have I done so bad that your dad wants to kill me? Jonathan, trying to comfort David, he says, I don't believe that dad's going to kill you. I, he's not going to do that. You're not going to die. Uh, if my father had intended to kill you, I would know about it. That's what he's saying. I'm paraphrasing here, but that's what he's saying. But Jonathan found out late, later on that uh, God did, ha or that David, uh, Saul did have an intent to kill David. Remember, though, this that the prophet Samuel came to David and anointed him king. That's very important. God had His hand upon David, and God had plans for David. He was going to be the next king. How could he possibly die before he sat on the throne? Yet David said this, There is but a step between me and death. You see, there, this was a lapse of faith in David's life. And I, I, would, I would be probably safe to say that many of us have had those points in our lives where we've had a lack of faith. And we've looked at different circumstances. We've looked at different situations and we've thought, where is God? God has promised never to leave us nor forsake us. Have you ever realized that discouraged people always overstate their problems? I mean, when you're discouraged, your problem is so much bigger than what, you could, what it really is. And our problems are not near as big as what we portray them to be. This is an obvious statement, but if the Lord does not come soon, we're all going to die. We're all going to die. You know, it's, a, it's not a matter of if we're going to die, but it's a matter of when we're going to die. You know, the Bible says it is appointed unto man once to die. Death is but a step away from each one of us. I mean, you think about what he's saying here, David's saying here, and he's stating the obvious, but really, I don't know if I'll take my next breath. God's the one that's in control of all of that. You see, David was discouraged, and he allowed his problem to appear bigger than his God. Can I tell you that's what happens when we get discouraged? That's exactly what happens. We, when we are discouraged, we're not seeing how big God is. We're seeing how big our problems are. And we're saying, what we're, in reality, what we're saying is, we're saying that God is not big enough. 
You say, oh, pastor, I would never say that. That's what you're saying by the life you're living. And your walk talks and your talk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. Remember that. You see, uh, we need to be careful what we say when we are discouraged because when we are discouraged, we might say things that might make matters worse than what they really are. David took his eyes off the Lord and convinced Jonathan, hey, to convince Jonathan to tell a lie and to join in on his scheme that he had, this plan that he had to tell his dad to tell Saul a lie. He said, he said uh, David told Jonathan, he says, I want you to lie to your dad. I want you to tell him a lie. I want you to go to his table and uh, when you go to eat and my place will not be there. And when he asks where I'm at, you tell him that I went with my, uh, my uh, brothers and sisters with my dad to Bethlehem. And we, we have to find out what is uh, David's telling Jonathan he says we got to find out what's in your dad's heart and uh, isn't that like us we don't want to be uh, we don't want to be in misery alone you know they say misery loves company and so we want to bring other people into our misery and we tell other people we scheme and we get other people in the plans but can I tell you this if we really only realize this, that we are just one step away from death, one breath away from death, I believe that if that was truly, we understood that for what it really is, then there's some things that we need to set in order. Number one, the first thing is that we need to have peace with God. We need to have peace with God. David stated that death was just a step away, thinking about uh, the truth in that statement. There are some things that we should take care of right now before we step into eternity. And I'd say the, probably the first thing that uh, should be on anyone's list is that they have peace with God. God wants us to have peace, to make peace with Him. He wants us to make sure before we die that we have trusted in Him as Lord and Savior. That we've been born again, that we've been, that we, uh, and let me share this with you. I believe we all in this room believe this, but salvation is through faith. It's not in our good works. It's not what we do. It's not in any of those things. It's but all, salvation is all what Jesus Christ did on the cross of Calvary. It's trusting and believing that Jesus Christ died for our sins, that he rose, that he was buried, and he rose the third day, according to the scriptures in 1 Corinthians. God wants us to make peace. And let me ask you, if you haven't done that, you know what? Today's the day of salvation is now. Now is the accepted time. In Colossians 1.20 it says, And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, he paid it all. All to him I owe. How do people make peace with God? The Bible says, having made peace through the blood of the cross. No other way but through the blood of of the cross, trusting in the finished work of Jesus Christ, acknowledging that we cannot save ourselves, acknowledging that there's nothing that we can do to merit salvation, and asking God to save us from our sins and to save us from, from hell and to forgive us. You see, not only do I believe that we need to have peace with God, but I believe we need to have peace with others. If I knew that today was my last day, and if I realized that there was somebody that had ought with me, you know what I want to do? I'd want to make sure there was peace with others. I want to make sure that I, that I had peace with so-and-so or whatever the problem may be. The Bible says in Romans 12, 
verse 17, it says, Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as life in you, live peaceable with all men. Can I tell you, as we say, as I just said, if I realized that today was my last day, I would make peace with whoever, if I thought someone had aught with me. Can I tell you this? Today could be my last day. Today could be your last day. I, I would say, number one, we need to make sure that we have peace with God, that we're saved. But then I would say that we need to have peace with others. And then, thirdly, I would say we need to have peace within. You see, we all also need peace within our hearts. The Bible says this in Colossians 3.15, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. You know, there's just some people that you can tell they've got the peace of God on their lives. It doesn't matter what comes their way, trials and troubles. And you just can see how God has, has given them peace that passes all understanding. You see, if we are out of fellowship with the Lord, if we're not where God wants us to be, if we're not doing what God wants us to do, then by all means, take care of it before we meet the Lord. And let me say, every, every day should be another realization that today could be my last day. I need to make sure I'm right with God. I need to make sure I'm right with man. I need to make sure that I have peace in my heart. You see, there are many things I would like to do in, with my life before I die. The truth is, is that I have peace. I have peace in my heart knowing that I'm doing what God wants me to do. It's true that death is just a step away. Our next breath could be our last. But let us make peace with God, peace with others, and peace within our hearts. See, we can have peace with God through salvation. We can have peace with others through forgiveness. And then we can have peace within through obedience. You know, I can tell you this. When we are not doing what God wants us to do, there's no peace within no peace within. David said that death was just a step away. What lies? You know, I've seen, I've heard preachers preach. I've never preached on the dash. You've ever heard anybody preach on the dash at funerals, Brother Greg? They say so-and-so all the time. Uh, someone lived from uh, 1955 to 2017. And they said that in between those two, I, I've heard preachers say, in between those two dates, there's a dash. And that dash represents all the things that you've done between day one and the last day of your life. So what is it that stands between us and death? What is that dash? What is that that stands in between us and death? And I'd like to share with you three thoughts tonight, and you'll have the message. Number one, what stands between me and death is this, the provision of God. The provision of God. The word providence frightens so many people today. And there are a number of ways to use this word. And you won't find that word in the Bible. Uh, but by the word providence, the providence of God, what I mean by this is God's provision. God providing for us. What he has, has, God has taken care of our needs. What He takes care of us. In 1 Samuel chapter 20 here, it says in verse 1, it says, And David fled from Naoth and Ramah, and came and said before Jonathan, What have I done? What is mine iniquity? And what is mine sin before thy God, that uh, thy father, uh, that he seeketh my life? And he said unto him, God forbid, thou shalt not die. You see, what caused Jonathan? I, I got to think about this. 
What caused Jonathan to have so much confidence in saying, Thou shalt not die? You're not going to die. What, how could he say such a thing? I mean, the javelin had already been thrown at David. And soon you'll read that the, the javelin's going to be thrown at his own son, Jonathan. But what made Jonathan th- say this? I, I, it could be that Jonathan had already realized in the providential care of God, he knew that David was going to be the king of Israel. He knew that David was going to be the king of Israel. It could be this. I, I think it could be that, that Jonathan knew. He had already accepted this. You know who was heir to the throne? Who was heir to the throne? It was Saul's son, Jonathan. Jonathan was the one that was supposed to be the next king. But God had already anointed the next king. That next king was going to be David. So I believe that Jonathan realized, hey, I've already accepted the fact that I'm not going to be king. The throne belongs to you, David. Nothing's going to happen to you, David, unless God allows it to happen. He felt that God had already made that decision about the life of David. He knew that David was under the care and keeping of Almighty God. Now, when we think about that, we can say, yep, that's right. That's right. That's right. Nothing's going to happen to David that God's not going to allow. But let me put it in your court. We get all worried and we start fearing and we start thinking about things that's going to happen to us. Can I tell you, nothing's going to happen to you. That God hasn't first seen. God knows about it. God knows what's going on. God knows about all those things. Nothing will come to you or I that might uh, be considered harmful unless God puts it there or allows it to happen. You say, well, I don't believe God does bad things. God allows bad things. You look at the life of Job. Job was a man, uh, uh, the Bible says he was a, uh, um, a faithful man. Uh, he eschewed evil. He, uh, uh, he was spiritually mature, the Bible says. However, all those things happened to Job. Why? Well, I don't know exactly the reasons why, but God allowed it to happen. Why? Because Satan said, God sowed Satan this. He says, have thou considered my servant Job? Saying, I don't believe God will do that. Well, you need to get in your Bible and start reading it for what it says. See, looking at the life of David, why do you think that David, think about this, why do you think that David went into the cave and in that same cave, who was there? Saul came to that same cave. Now, do you think this is coincidence? I don't believe it was coincidence at all. See, think about this. David could have killed Saul right then. However, Saul could have killed David too. But nothing happened to David that God wouldn't allow, didn't allow to happen to him. It wasn't coincidence. It was a providential care of God. God is always at work on our behalf. Through the, the Lord Jesus Christ. Realize this. Our God is in control. And I'm not talking about I'm not I'm not talking about Calvinism. I'm not talking about those things. I'm talking about God being in control. See, think about this when when the birth of the Lord, 
There was, there was uh, the, the birth of our Lord and Savior. Remember there was a man by the name of Caesar Augustus. Now this man thought he was the, he was the most power, he was at the time the most powerful man on earth. So, so however, he set out a decree and he said that all the world should be taxed. I'm getting ready to enter into back to Bethlehem and in our Christmas season and the holiday season here. And, and we think about that, we begin thinking about that. And, but the most used passage of scripture there in Luke 2 where it says all the world should be taxed. And this was a signing, a signing of uh, when uh, uh, Caesar, uh, by Caesar Augustus here. And, and the Roman emperor, emperor uh, sitting on the throne thanking himself to be the mightiest man in the world. As a, at a certain moment in history, he, he said, okay, everybody's going to be taxed. So then, these just Mary and Joseph, these simple peasant people, had to go to Bethlehem. However, remember... Hundreds of years prior to this, before this was even played in action, the Bible says that Jesus Christ would be born in Bethlehem. Was that happenstance? Was that coincidence? No, it was God's provision. See, the truth of the matter is that the work of God is the focal point of human history. And Caesar Augustus, the Roman uh, uh, ruler of the world, was nothing more than a piece of lint on the page of history compared to what God was doing and what he was going to do. God is almighty and between me and death is the providential hand of God. We need to remember that. Folks, when we get all worried about things that's happening in the world, we look at, hey, what's going to happen with North Korea? What's going to happen with our government? What's going to happen? And we get to worrying and things like that. Folks, nothing's going to happen to us unless God allows it first. But then I want you to notice number two, the protection of God. We've seen the provision of God, and then the protection of God. As we look for God in the providential care and His provisions, we can see just beyond that, we can see His hand of protection. We do not know how many times a day that God has spared our life. We don't know how many times God has spared us some, from some uh, life-threatening disease or whatever the case may be. But I believe God spared us. I believe God has taken care of us. I can't fully understand the mind or heart of God, but I do know that I live under His protection. Isaiah 54, 17 says this. Now, now listen. No weapons that is formed against thee shall prosper, and every tongue that shall rise against thee in the judgment Thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me with the Lord. No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. Why? God is protecting us. Folks, we, we live and we think, uh, we, we lock our doors, which I think we ought to. I think we ought to be wise and, and, and things such as that. But can I tell you this? That it's God that's protecting us. He's the one that's provided for us. It's not, listen to me, if you're living on government assistance, it's not the government that's your provider. It's, if you're working, it's not your, your job that's your provider. It's God that has provided for us. 
God that's protecting us. There in Psalms 91, the Bible says this, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in Him I will trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with His feathers and under His wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terrors by night, nor for the arrows that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Think about that. What's that telling us? It's saying that God's got it. God's our protector. Between me and death lies his protective hand upon my life. I'm in a place of safety in the will of God. I've heard of people say, make statements such as this, say, if I surrender to, to go to the mission field, God will call me to go to some tribe in Africa. You've heard people say that. Can I tell you this, that if God called you there, there's no safer place than in the center of God's will. Oh, will you, will you be martyred? There may be, that may be the case. But there's no safer place than in the center of God's will. No safer place. If you are in God's will, that's the safest place you could be. The step between life and death, there, there we can know His provision and His protection. In Psalm 8, the Bible says this, O Lord our God, how excellent is Thy name in all the earth! Who has set thy glory above the heavens, out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest steal the enemy of the avenger. When I consider thy heavens and the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? What is man? It is given in a form of a question here, but it's also a great statement. The truth is that God is mindful of man. God knows the, the, knows the hairs on your head. God cares about the sparrow that falls. See, what does this mean? It means that God is mindful of where I am at this moment. What I'm thinking today and what I face today and what I will deal with in the next moment. God is mindful of me. Can you, th can you fathom that? God is mindful of you. I'm His and He loves me. I do not know of anything that encourages me more than knowing this. That I'm His. I belong to Him. As you're having a hard time, remember, God is mindful of what you're going through. God knows exactly what you're going through. And in His desire to help you and to be with you and to take care of your needs, even through death, even though death is just a step away, we know of God's provision. We know of God's protection. But then the final thing is we know the promise of God. The promise of God. We have the promise of God. Do you need direction? He has promised it for us. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Do you need comfort? He's promised to give you comfort. He said he's not going to leave us comfortless, but he would send another. 
He said he would give us peace that passes us all understanding. Do you need provision? He has a promise for that. Do you need help? He's promised to be with you as well. And for 2 Corinthians 1.20 it says, For all the promises of God in him are yea and in him amen unto the glory of God by us. There was no reason for David to become discouraged. But can I say this? There's no reason for us to become discouraged either. God has provided for us. God is protecting us. And we have the promises of God found in his word. God ordained that David was going to be on the throne of Israel. He took care of him. He delivered him from the paw of the lion and the bear and of the giant. The promises of God are between you and death. See, notice what the Lord told his disciples in Matthew 6, 25. It says, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for a raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they, they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet... I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you? O ye of little faith, therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. See, it's easy easy for me to sit up here and say, David... Why didn't, you, why didn't you understand this thought? David, why did you get discouraged? Why did you even question what God was doing in your life? It's easy for us to read it and say, pff, pff, why in the world? Why did, I mean, he knew he was going to be king. Can I tell you this? Why do we worry? Why do we get discouraged? Someone has said this, that fear is a lack of faith. Fear is a lack of not trusting God. When we worry about food and raiment and those things that God said that he would take care of, what we are in reality, what we're doing is we're saying, God, I don't trust you. God, I don't trust you. It's easy for us to rebuke David, but God is saying to me this evening, Ricky, wake up and look up. Quit getting your eyes on the things that are around you. Quit looking at uh, the, the people around you. Quit looking at the circumstances around you. Keep your eyes on me. Ricky, keep your eyes on me. That's what he's telling me this evening. That's what he's telling you this evening. Keep your eyes on him. Don't look at the problems. Don't look at, hey, don't, it doesn't matter what comes your way. Keep your eyes on him. I've been praying about what our theme 
is going to be for next year and been praying about it for some time. And I just keep on getting uh, uh, this thought of keeping our eyes on the Lord. Keeping our eyes on Him. Because what right now, what today, what's happening today in many Christians is we're looking at everything else. And we're getting distracted. And I believe the, the verse that we're going to use is there when Peter was walking on water. And as soon as he looked, as soon as he took his eyes off the Lord, he began to sink. Folks, that's what we need to focus on. Is to focus on Him. Focus on Him. Someday when we get to heaven, we're going to find out that He may have delivered us from hundreds of accounts where we could have died. But God's protected us. He's had provision on us and we can claim His promises. We have the provision of God, the protection of God, and the promise of God. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Life is just a vapor for all of us. No matter if you're a teenager, a child, or if you're in your hundreds. If you're a hundred years old, it matters not. Life is still but a vapor that appeared for just a short season and then vanished the way. You hear tonight and you say, Pastor... I don't even know for sure if I was to die today, I'd go to heaven. Would you raise your hand, anyone like that? I always want to give that opportunity. Say, Pastor, I don't know for sure I'm saved. Would you pray for anyone? Maybe you're here tonight and you say, Pastor, I'm saved, but I haven't been living for God like I should. I haven't been trusting Him like I should. I've been fearful. I've been worried about things. I've, been, I've just allowed other things to take precedence Pastor, I need your prayers. I need to look to him. Keep my eyes on him. Pastor, pray for me. Anyone like that? Maybe you're here and you just say, I just need to thank the Lord for his goodness. I realize that God has protected me. I've realized he's provided for me. And I realize his promises. I want to encourage you to thank him tonight. I encourage you to thank him. We're coming into this Thanksgiving season. We need to be thankful every day. But tonight I'm asking you to thank him for his provision, for his protection, and for his promises. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you for this time that we had to look at the life of David. Lord, I ask that you would speak to our hearts as only you can. Lord, do a work that only you can in our lives. Lord, if there's some ought between us and you, Lord, I pray that we would get that confessed. And we would be right with you. We would have the peace of God if we're not saved. Lord, that we would get saved. Lord, if we have aught with our brothers or know that they have aught with us, that we would get that confessed and get, go to them and get it right with each other. Lord, because in reality, we're just a step away. And Lord, that we would be in your will, obedient to your command. Lord, thank you for what you're going to do in our hearts and our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. God spoke to your heart. I'm going to encourage you to find a place at the altar. Very appropriate song, God Will Take Care of You. what you're facing today I don't I may not know what you're going through but God does 
Turn your eyes to him. He will take care of you. you're in an attitude of prayer do want to lift up some petitions this evening Uh, do remember our church and your prayers that God would continue to have his hand upon our church and that we would see souls saved and lives changed brother Doug and I will be going out door knocking this coming weekend pray for us and pray for the doors that we knock and the souls that are there Uh, we're praying to to be able to um, share the gospel with someone and uh, invite folks to church. So you pray for us as we go out this coming Saturday. And then I want to like for you to remember, how's Brother Sean doing, Miss Kimberly? Is he doing any better? Okay. Okay, Rem- continue to pray for Brother Sean. Uh, got, probably has bronchitis. Usually when he does get sick, it usually leads to bronchitis. And so... Uh, you remember Brother Sean, he muscles through and has to do uh, things that uh, he has to do. And uh, you, you just remember he needs your prayers. All right, someone else out there? Yeah, Brother Ed. Okay. I heard about that. Was he the truck, the uh, tow truck driver? I read about a tow truck driver, but okay. This is Miss Kathy, uh, Miss Betty's sister. Um, her grandson um, passed away this week, and um, as he was changing the tire, I believe it was what I read, um, or whatever the case may be. But you just remember uh, Miss Kathy and uh, pray for her and the situation. All right. Yes. What is his name? His name is David. David. Okay. And he, years, years back, probably three or four years ago, he was in jail for DUI habitual. In prison, actually. Not, I mean, out of Plainfield, I think, part of the time. And, uh, but he got saved, he said. And then some people came to that 
tested him. He tested me from the hospital. And I texted him back and told him that we would be praying for him. And also I said, I think it's time for a total commitment. I just point out said it like that. Yeah. Pray for David, um, uh, heart situation, uh, physically, but also spiritually. Uh, pray for that. All right. Anybody else? Okay, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Yes, Brother Greg. I went back to the doctor yesterday, and my doctor was happy, happy, happy. Amen. Good, good test results back from, so we praise the Lord, what the Lord's doing Amen. there in Brother Greg's life. Amen. Amen. Remember, it wasn't too long ago we didn't have real good results, and, and but God's in control, and uh, He's gonna He's gonna take us all when when He's ready. Amen. 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 All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, once again, thank you for. Uh, the opportunity we have to worship and praise you, to give you our petitions, knowing that you, Lord, we give you all the praise and the glory, and we realize that you're in control, and Lord, that, uh, Lord, we hear the the good test results that come back from Brother Greg. Lord, we thank you for what how you're working in his life, and Lord, we realize you're the great physician, and Lord, that it's because of your hand, and Lord, we ask that you would continue to be with Brother Greg and his. Uh, this uh, illness there, Lord, and Lord, I ask that you be with um, David, this uh, young man. Lord, pray that you would, uh, Lord, get a hold of his heart spiritually. Uh, Lord, he needs to get right with you. Uh, if he is saved, Lord, pray that he would get right with you. Lord, if he isn't, Lord, I pray that he would turn to you before it's eternally too late. But also as his physical body, Lord, we ask for, uh, Lord, that you would intervene in that behalf. Maybe, Lord, you could be... I realize this, you could be putting him on his back, that he would look to you. And Lord, uh, whatever the case may be, Lord, we ask that your will would be done. Lord, we do think of other prayer requests tonight. Uh, uh, Lord, for uh, Miss Kathy's uh, uh, grandson, Lord, is uh, such a sad case. Lord, we ask that you would be with her and comfort her, be with the family and minister to them as only you can. Lord, I pray that... Uh, uh, we can be a, a blessing to her as well and be an encouragement to her. And Lord, I pray that you would just intervene. And Lord, uh, these other prayer requests maybe that I've forgotten. Lord, I think of Brother Sean as he's not been feeling the greatest. Lord, I pray that you would uh, touch him. I know he still has to work even though he's sick. And Lord, I pray that you would just uh, ease that. And uh, Lord, that you would be with him and encourage him uh, during uh, his walk with you. Lord, again, thank you for all that you do for us. I pray that you be with our church and help us to grow in spirit, most importantly, and then also in number. Lord, as uh, Brother Doug and I go out door knocking this coming weekend, Lord, I pray that you would prepare the hearts of those even now. Lord, as we knock on the door, Lord, that you would soften their hearts and that the Holy Spirit would do the work, that uh, they would uh, be saved before it's eternally too late. And Lord, I pray that uh, you would just guide and direct us. Thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do in our lives. We ask that you dismiss us with your blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you are dismissed. If you have an offering, you can just uh, drop it off in the plate.